This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Audrey Cooper, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. Global health leaders have declared a planet-wide emergency due to the coronavirus, which has sickened tens of thousands and killed hundreds of people in China. Of course, San Francisco has many ties to China and is a major travel hub from the country. Joining me today to discuss the virus, how it is spreading, and what California is doing about it is health reporter Aaron Alday. Aaron, maybe you should bring us up to speed. What exactly is the status of the um, of the virus in California? Sure. So um, coronavirus in California is still really just... Um, a handful of cases. Um, it doesn't have what um, public health authorities call a foothold in California or in the United States, which is to say that it's not in the community. It's not spreading from person to person. Um, it's not like the flu. It's just these kind of sporadic cases. What we have are six cases total. Uh, two of them are in Southern California, um, and four of them are now in the Bay Area, including two people, individuals in Santa Clara County and a married couple in San Benito County, which is south of San Jose, who were transferred up to UCSF on Monday for uh, more advanced care to hospital UCSF. And why is it that this virus is has global health leaders so upset? What is it uniquely about this one that's so much worse than, say, the regular flu or any other disease that if you get a severe enough case, you could die from? So the thing with this coronavirus is really just that it's brand new. Um, it, it only showed up, they only identified it maybe a month or two ago. Um, they don't know exactly when it came up, but probably it was late um, last year in China. And anytime you get a brand new virus that we've never seen before in human beings, the concern is we don't know what this thing is going to do. Um, is it going to be the next flu? Is it going to be the next common cold? Um, is it going to be something far worse than that? Um, and every single time you get a new case, a new a new virus that kind of um, bridges that gap between uh, animals and humans, it just raises all these questions. And this one is especially concerning in part because it spreads so far so fast. Uh, we only had about 40 cases at the end of the year in China, and now we're at more than 20,000. And that's in just a month. So when we were preparing for this podcast, I sent you a list of questions. And one of the things you sent back to me was, don't be so alarmist, Audrey. Yes. So, and, and, and that was specifically around the why does it seem so deadly? Is it more deadly than other diseases? Or like, justify calling me alarmist. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a really good question. And I think the main the main thing is we don't know because this is the thing that is unraveling right before our eyes. We just don't know exactly how bad this thing is or how bad it's going to get. But as more time passes, we're getting more and more information. And what we're seeing is as scary as it sounds to talk about we're now at 426 deaths. Um, if you do the math, that's like a 2% death rate. But that's, you know, known cases. There may be tens of thousands of more. Some people think there are 100,000 people sick with this um, in China who have very mild illness. So then you're looking at, yes, there's a lot more people infected by this, which is scary. 
But that makes the death rate even lower. But also, this is reporting out of a country that has kind of a real hit and miss public health system. A lot of people are not sure how accurate those numbers even are. So, you know, we haven't had any deaths in Cal in, in the United States. Um, there have only been two deaths outside of China, one of those in Hong Kong. Um, so it doesn't appear to be, you know, any deadlier than, you know, say the flu, which which is a deadly disease because it's so widespread. But it's not like this is Ebola or, you know, some diseases that just have a really high death rate that are truly terrifying. So what do we know about how you can get it and how it's transmitted? So again, we don't know really. Um, we do know that it transmits from person to person. It is able to do that. We've had cases of that in the United States, including the case in San Benito, where it started with a man who had probably become infected in China and passed it to his wife. Um, but it seems to be largely close contact. Now, in China, it is definitely widespread in the community. So it seems to be passing second and third generation, which is to say, you know, they're seeing cases come up where they don't have any idea where that person got it from. They just got it from being in the community. Um, so we know that it's able to do that. We don't really know much more than that in terms of where it falls on a spectrum of, say, measles, which is so infectious that if somebody with measles walks into a room and then leaves, you know, somebody else walks in eight hours later and can get it if they're not vaccinated. Um, this is not going to be that infectious, but is it more than influenza? We just don't know. So I've read a lot of um, stories and seen some examples where they they hold up somebody in China who got this disease who seems relatively healthy mm -hmm. and who has fallen extremely sick and, and died. Is that normal? I mean, often when we talk about these viruses, it tends to be the immunosuppressed and elderly people and maybe very young children and people whose immune systems are um, not as strong. Is that who primarily is at risk from this or is it a, are, are, is it a wider part of the population? I think that's one of the really big unknowns at this point. I hate to keep coming back to the unknowns. Yeah, I don't know why we had you on this podcast. We know nothing know here. Um, but I will say that is actually one of the more interesting and I think compelling unknowns, which is from what I've seen, most of the deaths have been in people who had pre-existing conditions um, or who were older. But there have been certainly some people who were younger who died, and that really is a case of we don't know why those people were at risk. Sometimes it's just when you have – what we're seeing now is when you have a, an entirely global vulnerable, vulnerable population, which is to say that literally because this is brand new, no one has any natural protection against this virus, right? So we are all completely wide open to it. And then sometimes it just depends on the microbiology of your immune system. You may just be unfortunate enough to have some quirk in your immune system that leaves you wide open to this thing, whereas, you know, most people seem to be fighting it off with relatively mild illness. So a lot of the recent stories have been about how the next two weeks in this uh, battle against the coronavirus, those are really going to be key. What is it about these two weeks that make it so important? Right. So as we've said, that this is this thing is spreading madly in China. It is in there. It's got a foothold. It's taking off. It just exists there. We don't have that in the United States. The next two weeks will be about preventing that from happening. And the reason why it's two weeks is because that's sort of the um, – that's as far out as the incubation period goes. So what that means is anybody who's coming here from China who maybe got infected in China and started coming back to the United States, 
say, this week, if people are still coming back, or maybe they came back next week when they slipped through screening. Um, not that they slipped through, that they snuck past, but just screening didn't capture them. Mm-hmm. Um, over the next two be- two weeks will be when we'll know if they're sick or not. Um, and it's in that time period that public health agencies are really working their butts off to find those people, to contact them, um, kind of contact them before they're sick, tell them, please stay at home, don't go out, don't interact with people, isolate yourself. Um, we're going to check in with you daily and find, you know, identify them right away if they get sick. If they do get sick, immediately isolate anyone they may have com- come into contact with and just jump all over that. So the whole point is to track down these cases just as quickly as they can and then get them away from everybody else and isolate everybody else they may have come into contact with. So if they can do that, which right now we have few enough cases that that seems reasonable, and most public health and infectious disease experts I talk to say that it is certainly feasible that we could lock this thing down. And if we can go over the next two weeks without anybody getting sick and then focus on China and get that situation under control, then we could prevent this thing from ever really taking off in the United States. Doesn't that imply, though, that we're successful in containing it in China? And there seems like there's been a lot of questions about whether the Chinese government is capable of doing that. No, that is a really big question. That I mean, right now we're focused domestically on keeping this thing locked down here. But if we are able to do that, we will need to focus on China. We will need to – the world will need to send resources to make sure that this thing gets under control in some way in China. And that is a big question is, is it even controllable at this point? Is it so far out of control in China that that's not going to happen? And that's, I mean, that's a really big concern because even if we do manage to really contain this thing here, if say two months from now, you know, we can't close down our borders between China forever. It's just, that's not the way the world works. Um, So I think that still is a really big unknown and I don't know what's going to happen there. There are some people who think this thing may be seasonal. So well, it's that's entirely... what, that was my next question is like the flu is seasonal. We know the flu season doesn't really start until like exactly. late December, early January. So even if you get sick in October, it's probably not the flu. Right. Um, is there any indication that it may be a seasonal thing? They don't. I mean, again, wait, they don't know. <laughs> they don't yes. know. But no, there are lots of people that are hopeful that that's the case, that we're going to get to be in the spring and we'll see no matter what we do, we'll see cases winding down just because this thing is like influenza and does just fade away. So you've covered a lot of these um, pand- global pandemics and right. how they affect the Bay Area since you've been a Chronicle reporter. Uh, what how 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 is this one similar? Is it different? Does it feel like some of the other ones that you've covered? Um, It feels different in a lot of ways because of the really aggressive um, slash conservative reaction we're seeing from public health. Um, With H1N1 back in 2009, the swine flu, that thing sort of just swept over so quickly that there there basically wasn't any time to contain it. By the time we recognized that, it was like people were getting sick all over the place. So then it was about, you know, closing schools and just finding some way to, you know, protect people, develop a vaccine, treat those who are sick. Um, I've never really seen anything where we're doing just, you know, these border shutdowns where we're having, you know, quarantining potentially hundreds of people at airports now when they come in. Um, We just found out today that 250 passengers flying in from China tonight are going to be quarantined for two weeks at Travis Air Force Base. Um, That's unprecedented, literally, in, um, in U.S. history. So, you know, this is really remarkable, the efforts that they're going to to keep this thing from from taking off 
here. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they're successful. I'm speaking with health reporter Aaron Alday about the coronavirus and its impact on the Bay Area and what might happen here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back with what you can do to prevent it and what county officials are saying about their response. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So Aaron, I, I, I want to get to what our local officials are doing about this. What are they saying about what they're doing? You mentioned that UCSF has taken in two victims. Um, should people here be concerned that we seem to be, the Bay Area is becoming a, a hub for not only these travelers, but also some people who are sick? So it's really interesting to kind of balance that concern level because, yes, people should be concerned. This is a global threat and people should be aware of it and keeping themselves informed. Should they be alarmed about their own personal safety? Um, public health folks at this point say no. Um, this thing is not spreading in the community. If you don't travel to China, if you don't know anybody who's been to China recently, if you don't know anybody who's sick and recently been to China, you're fine. You know, try your best not to worry about this. Um, you know, the fact that we have two people being treated at UCSF, the fact that two people have tested positive in Santa Clara County is not, surpri is not surprising and should not be concerning. We do, as you pointed out, have so much travel between the Bay Area and China that it, it would have been shocking if we didn't have a handful of cases here. Um, and, you know, public health of officials will point out that it's really striking that, you know, we've only found those four people um, because they've been looking hard. They have been, you know, sending out these blasts via the media, via their own resources, contacting doctors all over the place saying, please, if you find anybody, send them our way. We want to test. We want to screen. They are like hunting everywhere they can for cases. So they'll argue that the fact that they've only found four is a pretty good sign, actually, that this thing is not that far spread. And and the folks I talked to even just today said, you know, they're getting loads of phone calls from people who want to be tested, who want to be screened. You know, I on Super Bowl Sunday, I was actually with a local uh, general a doctor, mm -hmm. and he was constantly leaving the game to take patients' calls. Um, like, I have a cold. Is it the coronavirus? Even in the newsroom, yeah. a couple of people are sick because we are in flu season. Yes. And Joe Garofoli should have gotten a flu shot. But we joke, <laughs> <laughs> we joke, you know, oh, maybe Joe has the coronavirus. I mean, it's a you know, dark humor in the right. newsroom. But how do you know if you should go to the doctor because you might get it? What are the symptoms? Well, first of all, you definitely shouldn't about? go to the doctor. That's their main thing is nobody. And this is true with the flu, too, is you shouldn't just go to the doctor emergency room. You should call ahead of time um, just so they know to expect you. Um, but the main thing is if you haven't traveled to China um, and if you haven't had close, meaning like household contact with somebody who was recently in China, you don't have coronavirus. Um, but that being said, you know, the symptoms are similar. Coronavirus, they're saying it's fever and lower respiratory uh, symptoms. So that would be a cough and difficulty breathing are like the two most common. So if you have those symptoms and you're freaked out, you know, call your doctor. Call, you know, there are now counties have um, 
advice nurse lines that are set up specifically to handle calls. And frankly, public health folks want people to be calling. Like I said, they're very eager to find any cases, isolate them as soon as possible. So they seem to be, that's where they're putting all their resources right now is to handle those kinds of calls to do that kind of of contact. So are they testing people who haven't been to China? No. No. So it's only people if you've directly been to China or know somebody who has. And has you and, and have close contact with that person, yes. How do the medical professionals stay healthy during this time as people are coming in and possibly have this virus or or don't? So it's you know, if they have somebody who comes in and has symptoms and has that, you know, that travel um background then they really go all out. I mean, they will put that person, I mean, immediately that person, anybody will get a mask, but they'll put them in an isolation room. um, And the doctors will do full gown, gloves, eyewear, and the N95 masks, or, you know, some special mask to protect themselves. And so they're told to really go all out to to keep themselves safe. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely a lot that they have to go through just to to protect themselves and then to protect the other patients they see. You wrote a, I, I believe it was you that wrote a story about the masks. Or is yep. it Cat Ho? Or both of you together? There's so many Probably, people yeah. we have covering this now. Are, should we all go out and get masks? What precautions should you take if you don't know anybody who goes to China on a regular basis, but you're still concerned? So if you, you don't wear masks... <laughs> Is the first thing. Um, Why not? What's wrong with a mask? I mean, you can if you want to, but but it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. I mean, the, the reason it's not going to help you is because this thing is not circulating. Um, anything that you would be told to do right now as just a general person in the public is the same thing they would tell you to prevent the flu. So wash your hands. Wash your hands. If you're on BART, wash your hands a couple more times. That's just a good rule, even if you're not in flu season. <laughs> exactly. <I think. laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's a li- I mean, it's good hand hygiene. Stay home if you're sick. Um, you know, cough into your elbow, that kind of stuff. How is this affecting the local economy? We have so many ties with China. We're in the middle of Lunar New Year festivities. Really, this couldn't come, I think, at a worse time, arguably, for the Chinese-American community. What's what's the feeling out there? So I think we're in a wait and see on that because the flights just started being canceled last week. So definitely there have been events um, you know, like private events, um, banquets, parties, things like that that have been canceled, um, especially involving the Chinese community, people who were here coming for events, coming from China. Um, some of that's already happening. I don't think we know the full um, economic repercussions yet. A lot of that will probably be really apparent after this weekend with the Chinese New Year Parade. It'll be interesting to see what kind of turnout there is for that. Uh, maybe people turn out extra to support the community. Maybe people stay away because they're scared. Maybe it's just normal. I don't know. Um, but definitely, I mean, there will be an impact because it is that's a huge part of our tourism. Um, and we're just now in like the last week or so seeing these flights be canceled and these people not showing up. So I think we'll know really in the next few days what what the impact is. And you, you mentioned um to me earlier that you've received a lot of feedback from people that verges on, um, I might call it xenophobic, uh, somebody else might call it racist. Um, I mean, can you talk about that, the sort of reaction from people that you're seeing? Yeah, I'm definitely hearing from people, again, it's it's borderline, Um, you know, asking why are we not I had somebody email me the other day asking what colleges were doing about their Chinese students. And it's just like, well, 
you know, what does they that even here. mean? They live, yeah. yeah, they live here. Um, and even if you're talking about foreign exchange students, they've been here for a while. Um, so there's there's a sense that anybody with you know any relationship to China somehow has something to do with this, which is just wrong. Um, I mean, just dead wrong. And you know, public health. I've talked to a bunch of public health officials about that, and you know, they'll say it's actually doesn't help public health efforts at all because it stigmatizes a community. Um, and that might, you know, if somebody's sick, if you have a cold and you are living in Chinatown, maybe now you don't feel comfortable telling somebody that. Maybe now you're going to try to keep that to yourself. And maybe, in fact, you did have contact with somebody who just returned from Wuhan and you should be reporting that. Um so, you know, they don't want anybody to be discouraged from saying, I'm not feeling well and seeking help. Um, and that's Well, in what... fact, that seemed to be one of the problems in China, people not I... reporting that this thing was blowing up Absolutely. Uh, out of fear. Absolutely. And so that's the last thing we want. Um, and, you know, I just talked with with the San Francisco Public Health Department today about the, the Chinese New Year parade because I had been getting calls and emails from people saying, why are they not canceling this thing? This seems like a terrible idea. And the public health folks are saying there's literally no reason to cancel it at this point. Um, there's none of this viruses in the community. Everybody's safe. It's flu season. If anything, you know, that would be the concern. And this is exactly the right time that we should be celebrating and supporting the Chinese community, that we should be holding an event like that so people can come out and, you know, show that support. Um, and, you know, to cancel it would be horribly stigmatizing especially when there's literally no reason to do that. It would just cause alarm. It would cause just horrible stigma. It's just, it would be an all-around bad idea. Now, I say that, and yet, you know, in the, the next week, we could get, you know, a handful of cases here suddenly and get word that this is spreading and suddenly need to change everything. So this is something that is in motion um, and changes literally from day to day. So that's the messaging today, and it's very important messaging to get out. But it's also something people need to pay attention and see, you know, what's happening tomorrow. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Erin, I hope this is the last podcast we do on the coronavirus. And that would mean that it gets contained and uh, we can move on to other health issues that you cover. Same. Thank you to health reporter Erin Alday for being with us today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.